0: We're on awake, arise, counted all joy. No eye has seen what God will do, and the eyes of the Lord are searching the earth for those who will uh, receive Him, that He can show Himself strong. So, um, we're running through the Gospel of Romans. I don't know how far, how fast we'll run, but um, just a little background. You know, sometimes, you, especially the portion we look at today, we could read it like as Paul is in a rant, and he's not in a rant at all. He's writing to people he's never met. They're in the heart of the beast. He's met some of them that have been driven out through persecutions and then have returned, and so he's aware of the community. He says their faith is is being broadcast all over the world, and so, but he's planning to come, and so he says, how can I, I just wanna share my heart with these people and you know, give them truth and and prepare them and so he writes, what is the the lengthiest uh, epistle of all that he wrote, and and it and he so he dives right into the deep end of the pool, like how could it be so bad? Is the question he's answering. You know, he's eager to preach the gospel. He's convinced that the gospel is the. You know, he's not ashamed of it, it's the power of God to salvation, you know, that it's revealed, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, the just live by faith, all of these things. And, he's, and all, all of that is the setup and the interest, well, that's why, I want it, why he wants to come. Then he, then he drives right into addressing like, why is the world so crazy? It's a pretty pertinent question for us at this time, and you know, in the heart of Romans is is Romans chapter eight, and there in the middle of chapter eight is this amazing promise that God will work all things together for good for those who love him, and and it's surrounded on both sides in its context with with struggle and suffering, you know, of creation, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God, but then he's going to end, he'll end the letter with this assurance that soon you know god will crush satan underneath our feet he says that he makes that statement and he ends with, with you know now to him who is able and he ha- ends in this great doxology so it's not but sometimes because we have we have this kind of sound bite attention span and this is definitely more than 144 characters. Sorry, he couldn't fit it into a tweet. You know, because we're not bird brains, and we actually need to think. And so, in you know, when we when we we're off track, it's like, how do we get home? God's given us these amazing gifts. You know, He's given us an imagination. He's given us. That, that looks for beauty he 's given us reason that looks for truth, and he 's given us a conscience that looks for what 's good, so the beautiful, the true, and the good are all abs- they 're all in absolute splendor in the person of jesus christ and that 's the center of the gospel and so last time I spoke we, we were unpacking awakening the ma- imagination and Today, I hope we can cover awakening reason <laughs> we, you know, that, that we can think, you know, and think clearly and think critically, not being critical of others, but being able to assess ideas. Ideas, G.K. Chesterton made this statement, ideas are dangerous, you know, but to the one who's used to them, he's like the lion tamer. He gets in there with the ideas and he... he, he deals with them, but they're really dangerous to the person who's never, like like it's a new thing to think. <laughs> then they can intoxicate you and lead you astray, and so, God, thank you for this capacity to think. And so, um, so uh, Romans 1, 16, Paul's not ashamed of the gospel, it's the good news that God has already won it, he's already done it and what we're we're in this lengthy multi-millennial cleanup operation <laughs> to enforce his victory but you know why and here's what we need to know about the gospel it restores our relationship with god it gives us back more than was lost by adam we gain in christ and that you know that 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 is the potential that is the gift that's the position and he's given this these amazing uh, gifts that are part of his image, imagination, reason, and conscience, you know, that God, God is imaginative and creative, you know, that he's the ultimate mind and we can share the mind of Christ. Now, I wanna get into this issue of truth and sorry if I'm speed, speeding through the introduction here but um, this is worth reading. You know, we've, we've covered these verses before. The suppression of truth is basically the denying of evidence. So how do we get in the mess? People don't want to deal with the truth so they suppress the truth. Uh, and Romans 1.18 says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And it's not against the people, it's against the unrighteousness and ungodliness that motivates them who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And the wrath of God, by the way, you know he's not like having a a cosmic temper tantrum it's it's a turn like it it's a frustration in God, and so the you know there's different various expressions of it, but the initial expression is that he kind of lets it happen like well, you know it's not pleasing to him, but he's not but he he allows us this Freedom to process the desires of our heart you know so Romans 119 what can be known and, and, and the real issue is that not wanting to see and we see this we really see this in you know academia and in other places but really see it in scholars who are confronted with truth and yet don't want to see truth so they they make up their own truth uh, verse 19 what can be known of God is plain to them because God has shown it to them it's It's, you know, it's plainly evident it's manifest, or what the meaning of that. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. In other words, creation itself gives general revelation of God that can be intellectually understood. That's what he's saying, you know, that 's what it means to be clearly perceived it means intellectually understood, and it 's from creation, so every person, whether they 've ever had the Bible or not, has all of creation around them that is a test that is testifying to the glory of God day after day, the heavens declare his glory, Psalm nineteen and many other uh, scriptures we could refer to, but it 's actually just the wonder of existence and life and the complexity of of everything not I mean and life in especially and and the lack of where did it, you know the question where did it all come from and so um, and basically here 's the problem because we don't want to see the truth and 'm we as like general i 'm identifying with all of humanity, not with you in this room um, th- that we look for substitutes, and when we look for substitutes we're denying source and meaning, like we lose the source and we lose the meaning, we lose the plot. And so um, verse 21, for although they knew God and did not, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so um, this is, the, you know, this is the what, this is the result. You know, when we deny the source and we deny the meaning, we, we become, you know, our, our thinking becomes senseless in terms of answering ultimate questions that are in the heart of every person. Are you with me? Am I just diving too deep, too fast here? Okay, <laughs> yeah, anyway. This reminded me of a TV show I saw when I was a kid, and the the motto was "Run Silent, Run Deep." <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't want to be a submarine here, and you don't know what in the world is he talking about. Um, but here, the issue is that the unrighteousness and ungodliness. In human beings, they don't want to know the truth, so they deny it, and so by doing this, the, even though there's a, a background knowledge of God, there there is not honor, and there is not thanksgiving, which is what opens the door to more, and so by turning away, God didn't turn away, humans turn away, isn't that amazing? We turn away, um, and and the result of that is our thinking becomes confused and our hearts, which is the place where we really perceive reality, is darkened. And claiming to be wise, verse 22, they became fools and exchanged the, I mean, this happens a lot. I used to, and when our oldest daughter went to Princeton, I said, you have to know there are a lot of fools with PhDs. And Multiple degrees, you know. That claiming to be wise, they became fools, which means their conclusions are senseless or futile. They don't produce life. And they exchanged, now this is bad economics, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things or reptiles. And so, the, so what happens is because we are contingent creatures, You know, we didn't just create ourselves. And so we are wired, we're hardwired to love and to worship. And so if we deny the source of truth and reality, we will love and worship something else. And it's a total downgrade, you know, um, that we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images. We could say idols resembling mortal man birds. And so idols are things we can control things we make up our own philosophy this is our own rama lama do it yourself religion which you know even in the middle 60s in california this was already sort of you know it appealed to me because i was ignorant <laughs> i gladly confess okay but so, so i the, but the root of idolatry so if we have to understand idols cuz Idols if you understand that what we're dealing with when you deal with someone when you get intimidated by someone that says oh you Christians well you think this and even though you know there are way more facts and you can you can absolutely establish the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ without a doubt more than you can establish the you know the life of Julius Caesar or Homer or Plato but people will go, oh yeah, well that's good for you. And they move it out of the realm of facts into this upper story of values like, well you can believe anything you want as long as you do it privately. You can believe in the, fair, in the Easter Bunny or in the Tooth Fairy, it's fine with me. That's what, See, and by doing that, this is the, the strategy of idolatry to deny the truth. And there is no separation between values and fact. And the facts we receive actually produce the values that we express. And so, I'm just saying, so the root, so this is what we look for when, when we realize this isn't true. What is being reduced here? What is being made small, so that I'm not accountable to it? That I can carry the idol around with me and, you know, you got it, okay, so, um, but, so we hear this in, in, in you know, popular culture. It's not limited to academia, it's in popular culture, but very often you can recognize the phrase, it, well, such and such, we are such and such, or man is such and such, and the, the, here's a key phrase, nothing but, well, we're nothing but, ma- you know, nothing but the product of matter and chance and evolution. So you know, here's a man, Francis Crick, who Crick and Watson discovered the structure of DNA in the 1950s, and you know, there were these English scientists and stuff, but but Francis Crick actually got into science so he could prove that religion was invalid. And so then he comes to this issue that whoa, wait a minute, life is actually composed of information, what am I gonna do with this? And he just goes into the nothing but mode. And he he says, well, look, you know, everything you think you are is nothing but a pack of neurons, you know, and the molecules associated with it. That's, I'm quoting out of their writing. Uh, Nicholas Humphreys, a famous, famous uh, English psychologist uh, who teaches at Cambridge, he writes that um, human consciousness is an illusion and the reason he says it's an illusion is because you can't explain it from material science. In other words, if, see, now the, the idol is materialism. It, the idol is material, matter. Instead of the creator, now we're dealing with the creation. So as long as it's matter, I can make up anything I want and it's not going to correct me. It's not gonna say you should do that or shouldn't do that. I can sear my conscience because matter is amoral, which means I can do anything I want. And and then, you know, we add to it um, modifications there. How about the famous Carl Sagan? Maybe some of you are young, you don't remember. Carl Sagan, who was kind of a pop science star. PBS did this huge series in the 80s called the you know, Cosmos, and the Cosmos, the Cosmos show would open up, and there would be Carl Sagan intoning, Cosmos is all there is, and there's nice music in the background and pictures of star nebulas exploding, Cosmos is all there is, or was, or ever will be. It sounds like the Gloria Patria, you know, if you if you're familiar with in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit who you know as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be, you know, amen. You know, that's what it's not I mean this even gets picked up in the if you remember we, we read our kids Berenstain Bear books, some of you did. Berenstain Bears had a book called Nature and it was great, but right in the middle there's a two-page page spread where the bears are sitting and they're looking at this beautiful scene and they're saying nature is all there is or was or ever shall be see it's like indoctrinating 4-year-olds with this view that there's nothing beyond we it's idolatry okay so it's just good to to be aware okay verse 24 Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So in verses 24, 26, and 28, it says God gave them up. But I wanna be clear. He gives us up in the sense like he permits. Okay, I'm not gonna fight that. But he never gives up on us. And he actually gives, and this would take, we'd have to go through scripture, that he say he let them do it so that they would Experience the consequences and return to him. you know this happened over and over in okay verse twenty five they exchanged the truth about God for a lie okay so we exchanged glory for create you know the image of created things now we exchanged reality for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen. Now, this is a bad exchange, you know, total downgrade from creator to creature, from truth to a lie, and and so, but the basic lie is that we can be like God on our own, you know, we don't need, yeah. okay, if, if you are the, an image, there has to be a reality that you're imaging, you know, this is the, <laughs> okay, so, and anyway, we, we, you know, the lie is that we can be like God on our own, be our own master, and somehow find lasting happiness apart from God, and it has never worked. So, if, so but here's the thing, because we're created, why does it say we worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen, is because we were created to live in worship, in a worship, love Communion with the Creator. That was his plan from the beginning. And what happened in the garden was, a, was an ongoing battle of the revolt of the adversary and his angelic horde that fell with him from heaven to overthrow the throne of God. And so here's the the crown of his creation. So if we can, if we can just just, you know, if we can mess this up, if we can take humanity captive, man, we're, you know, we're on our way to overthrowing the throne, and this battle's still going on. It hasn't ceased, you know, so even though the cross took the teeth out of it, it's still going on. Okay, so are, are you with me? Have I lost you? Okay, so if we don't worship God, we'll worship idols. And it says, verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. So first we don't acknowledge God and we, we he gives us up to the lust of our heart and we dishonor our bodies. Now we get given over to the dishonorable. The di- dishonorable means they are, we're not honoring who we are, what we are, what other people are. Passions, for their women exchange natural relationship for, for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up, there's a further giving up, so each, you know, he gives them up to, uh, to idolatry, then he gives them up to disordered, uh, disordered desire, and then he, now he gives, them up one, he gives them up to a debased mind. Verse 28, to do what ought not to be done. And so the, the thing with a debased mind is it's been downgraded. So it's not like, well, how did we get it? See, the question is, maybe the believers in Romans certainly, how did we get here? Have any of you asked that question? I've asked that question a lot, especially since 2015 with the Obergefell decision in the Supreme Court. I said, "God, how did we get here? I didn't see this coming." And here's actually the progression, and it's not rant he's not ranting against people in he's describing the impact when a culture turns away. It happens when an individual turns away, but when you have a mass culture and the the centers of influence, you know, the seven mountains, as we like to say in our movement, as, as they turn away from God, then the whole culture goes down this route, and you end up with confusion and hostility and, you know, all kinds of stuff there. And, and so, um, because we're meant to, you know, we're meant to worship and serve, and so we get filled up with something, verse 29, and they were filled Not with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness and he goes on and it's quite a laundry list and he's not, these are not like the very specific things we need to look for. He's giving a representative list of what happens when we turn away from God. So, big question, how did we get here? First of all, you know, he's actually—he's not even just describing right now or Rome in the first century. He's describing this human plight that happiness is elusive, and we find it in Him. And um, to to quote uh, C.S. Lewis here, nearly all that we call human history and that could include money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery, is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God that will make him happy. And so, and the the door to that is the refusal to honor or give thanks to that which is clearly revealed in creation. And so, anyway, we just went through all the, you know, we think we're wise, but we're actually fools. We exchange glory for idols. We're given up. We exchange truth for God. Truth about God for a lie that leads into the disordering of our desires. And, and then because we don't value God, we lose mental perceptive capacity, like, like real we can invent machines but we can't answer the deeper questions of life and so the consequences of reduction is that what when we reduce what we're, we we're meant to run on god you know like like you know people invent cars to run on gas this is another cs lewis image P, you know man invented cars to run on gas and and they don't run on water or you know Clorox or anything. But and He He made us to run on Him. You know, without His Spirit, we're dead. You know, without communion with Him, we, we're even though we look like we're alive, we're dead in trespasses and sins. So, so what's our strategy? You know, we don't want the reduction to go all the way to destruction. We need a strategy. How do we unpack the lie? How do we identify the idol? and how do we I, and I think if we look for what's being reduced here what is being made small here because that's the, the essence of every idol you know God had given Adam and Eve the entire world and the adversary came in and said see that fruit if you had that fruit man then you'd be really living and he deceived them, he got them to go after something small, and that became really like the first idol, you know, and so it's great, you know, uh, we fell as a race in a meal in a garden, and we we're restored by a meal that we just had today, you know, <laughs> and so, uh, but when we reject the creator, we, we receive a life, so, Every, every, you know, there's all kinds of religions on earth, and people have studied and said, is there anything common? There's pantheistic religions, there's, there's, um, there's actually atheistic religions, like pure Buddhism is an atheistic religion, the void, the nothingness, uh, the, the uh, Taoism, Confucian, those are like atheistic religions. There's pantheism, which is, there's an impersonal God, you know, that's infused throughout the, Creation that 's like the force that could be with you, and it 's like that um, that that interconnectedness if you ever saw the movie Avatar, which I liked even though it was an idolatrous concept but I mean, you know there, there were the the uh, but these are concepts that are out there. Pantheism, but Hinduism is actually pantheism, and each of the, the thousands and thousands of God are just a local concentration of one aspect of Atman or whatever this, you know, the 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 ultimate reality behind it all is. So, so all re, you know, religions are their What they're seeking is their they're seeking, and what they all have in common is they're trying to find. That at the back of it all, there's something that must be self-existent. There must be an eternal reality that is the origin of everything else. And so, you know, um, if you have you talk to a, a, a quote atheistic physicist or materialist, you know, well, matter and energy explains everything but it can't explain where matter and energy came from. And so matter and energy has to become self-existent, has to become the eternal reality that everything else comes from, which means we're just matter that was shaped by chance over great eons of time. And so, um, but, you know, so physics explains chemistry, chemistry explains biology, biology explains humanity, but it really doesn't. And even though if you remember the Bloodhound Gang and their terrible songs from the 90s, they said, you know, baby, we ain't nothing but mammals, baby. So, So let's do what they do on the Discovery Channel or something. It's some horrible song that pops into my mind. I don't know why this happens. I have to be careful what I hear, you know. But anyway, but here's the truth. Truth God created the world according to his own design and purpose. And so the truth is that mind precedes matter, shaping and directing the development of the material world. Final expression of that is the human being. And we're not just mammals. We are mammals, but we're not just mammals. Um, But the lie, and I mean this lie under undergirds, it's the foundation of of much of the confusion in our culture, Darwin reversed that order. And Darwin, by the way, Darwin's ideas were not new, but Darwin somehow, the time was right, you know, the tinder was dry, and the the spark came in, and it turned into a flame that that invaded every science, invaded politics, culture, morality, everything else, but Darwin's presentation reversed the order. In his theory, mind, uh, mind comes very late. It emerges late in the evolutionary history, a product of purely natural forces. So mind mental, is not fundament, a fundamental creative force in the universe, but merely an evolutionary byproduct. Now, why would you trust the thoughts of someone who thinks their thoughts just came from mud? And just a question. But, and then, but so it gets picked up, you know, it goes into all fields, you know. But one of the major ones that we're dealing with now is it went into the field of philosophy. Hegel, uh, you know, he had this, he liked evolution and he thought, well, the same way that, you know, uh, monkeys are evolving into men, and and amoebas are evolving into tadpoles. I don't, you know, it's just. By the way, there's never been one proven um, trans-species evolution ever. You know, ever. And uh, you know, Darwin's finches, none of them. They can't. It's never been proven. And they, you know, they've had. 160 years to find one example and there's not been one example and they have excuses for that but but so Hegel gets intoxicated with this idea and he says well maybe you know since the whole world's just matter it's you know it's in conflict and it bumps into each other and and it it has to crash and fall apart, and then what comes out of it will be better, and each time it gets better and better, like where's the better and better coming from? Who knows? It was just this kind of the optimism of what was called modernism, in the, you know, it, from the enlightenment view that things are getting better and better. So Hegel, it's called dialectic materialism, and Karl Marx picks this up, and he applies, now Karl Marx... Instead of be, matter being the source of everything, I mean, it is matter at the very basis, but he said, well, how it expresses itself in human beings is with production, because humans are workers, not creators, just workers and so they work and produce and so so the dialectic materialism is that the production will make things better and better but the system's messed up so it has to crash and be destroyed so the next better one can can come forth. Thus the idea of the Marxist revolution with no great plan afterwards. Just this plan, we're gonna destroy everything that's there. We're gonna destroy the institutions, the government, the families, the businesses, and then we're just gonna trust that if we burn it down and we destroy everything and we loot everything, that what'll come next will be better. And they've had a, you know, 41 countries have tried this so far and all of them have miserably failed so if if you're drinking the marxist kool-aid don't so marxist kool-aid you know by the way the the economic marxism that Marx that they predicted would would have this huge worldwide revolution in the late 20s that's what their timetable was workers of the world unite many you know many of our not Thing, if you're part of a trade union, that's bad. But many of the trade unions were formed with kind of a revolutionary, uh, you know, vision, and a lot of the folk songs that we sang came out of those Anyway, it's all kind of interesting, but uh, but anyway. So when it didn't work. They, it was a crisis, and during the 30s and 40s, scholars, Marxist committed Marxist scholars, who came from Germany and were all, they were kind of imported as a group at, to the faculty at the College of Education at Columbia University. Uh-huh. They were called the Frankfurt Group. And they've been wrecking uh, education for almost 100 years, you know, but anyway. So cultural Marxism came out of that crisis like, well, that didn't work. So now what we see is critical race theory is pure cultural Marxism. You know, God says, I made everybody out of one flesh, you know, that he's no respecter of persons, that we're, you know, that in Christ there's neither Greek nor Scythian nor Greek, you know, on and on. But what Jew, you know, Greek... But what critical race theory says is that by the color of your skin and the circumstances you were born in, that determines your future. It's, you know, it's, this is kind of like you're just matter, you know, you happen to evolve this way and so... You know, all the white people are bad, and all the all, everybody else are, are pretty good. Now, some Asians may be not so good, because they get too high of SAT scores, and so we have to keep them out of our lead universities. And, you know, you, uh, uh, an, an Asian student has to have a 40% higher SAT score or something like that. This is not fact-checked, okay? That's just my bad memory, okay? But... Um, <laughs> But it, but, but it is, it's true. And, and Harvard and Yale, they justify it. They say, well, we're after diversity. I'm telling you, diversity is a delusion. God produces diversity with harmony. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Marxism has never worked. Okay, feminism, genderism, the whole LGBT plus, plus, whoever knows what, is all driven by this dialectic materialism that we're going to destroy the existing institutions and in Marxism good hey newsflash the family is the enemy of the state okay so environmentalism nationalism all these isms are are idols we need the gospel it's the power of God and the salvation oh my okay well I have this great story about Joseph Stalin, but I'm going to have to skip it for time. Did you know Joseph Stalin was studying to be an Orthodox priest? And, and there's a conversation, when he was young, and there was a, a conversation he had with a friend where he said, uh, they were talking about, you know, his friend was talking about spiritual things. And then, he, then Joseph heard me out and he said, You know, they're fooling us. There is no God. He goes, what? How can you say such things? i never heard anything like that. He says, I'll lend you a book to read. It will show you that the world and all living things are quite different from what you imagine. All this talk about God is sheer nonsense. And, and, what, and the guy, he says, what book is that? He says, Darwin, you must read it. And uh, anyway, so we know how that worked out, <laughs> you know. I don't know how many millions, tens of millions of his own countrymen just killed randomly, randomly. Not even an agenda. Actually, he would send out quotas. This week, kill this many people. I don't care who they are, just kill them. Why? Because at the basis of everything is matter. There's no God, there's no mind, it's matter, it's dialectic materialism, it's the survival of the fittest, it's nature, red in tooth and claw. So here's, so but here's, so what, how do we respond to this like ambassadors to Christ? Okay, number one, and I'll make this quick, because I'm in overtime here. Um, look for internal contradictions. Like, listen, you know, we're, we're not here to, to fight, we're here to serve. We're here to love our enemies. <laughs> Pray for those who just fight. So, but... You know, here's, like where are the internal contradictions? Here's Francis Crick again. You, your joys, sorrows, memories, ambitions are nothing but a mass of neurons and their associated molecules. So, then you just wonder why should I listen to this mass of neurons telling me what's real and what's not real? Here's Richard Dawkins, famous, you know, famous uh, atheist Richard Dawkins professor. Biology is the study of complicated things that give the appearance of having been designed for a purpose. This is on page four of The Blind Watchmaker. And then he spends the rest of the book trying to prove that there is no purpose. But the reality is, didn't he say the things that can be known about God are clearly seen, they're evident in that which was created. Come on. So, here, so, we, so we, have to, we, we find those inconsistencies and we think like, "Well, wait a minute. <laughs> why? 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 You know, so we can lead back that there has to be an ultimate reality behind everybody's opinions. And this is a way to, to lovingly and in the context of a relationship, get people to examine, like, why would you why would you well, why would that? Why would that? Why would that? And you may have an infinite regression, but probably you'll get to. The, the bottom line. Well, where do you think it all came from? And, me, and sometimes a, an average person might say, "Well, I don't know, no, I never thought about that. Your job is to get them to think. So how can we build bridges? Here's brilliant stuff all around us that God can help us use. There's the world of the cell, you know, biochemistry, irreducible complexity. Learn something about it. you don't have to be an expert. just learn like the broad strokes. And, you, and the, the universe. That it's fine-tuned, that there's like all these, there's more than 30 things about our universe that if they were varied just slightly, life couldn't exist. God created the universe for life, and particularly for human life. And then the fact that it's expanding, like, well, you know, the universe is expanding. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Well, where did it start? Ah oh, yeah, well, it was the Big Bang. Well, what ha- where'd the Big Bang come from? You know, so uh, then there's this awesome structure of DNA that... That the basis of life is not matter; it's actually information. And (laughs) you know, like you can tell if somebody scribbled. You can tell if if there's just the wind blowing sand on the beach, or if you come across a sandcastle with turrets and a moat and stuff. You know, somebody made that. And so, language is, is evidence of a designer. And so, then here's another three easy ones. Origins, origin of the universe, where'd it come from? Origin of life, well, if it all evolved, how did it get from muck and goo to life? Oh, some lightning, no, that doesn't work, you know. I mean, actually, it doesn't work scientifically. And then, th- then here's the big one, the origin of human consciousness, <laughs> which the famous psychologist from Cambridge University said it's just an illusion. But, but the fact is, people know it's not. Okay, so we use these things to dismantle strongholds. And we'll stop there. I mean, we, we, what, what we have to offer, as, as uh, Anna encouraged us, that we can approach things with f- fear or hope, that we need hope. But sometimes to have hope, you have to, you know, it helps if you got a little hint of what God's strategy is. So we we get that from the Holy Spirit and from the Bible. I want you to stand up. But I, I want to pray specifically, and some of you are in strategic places and relationships, and you're talking to significant people. Everybody's significant, but you're talking to people who are close to the the lever levers of power, you know, close to the steering wheel of different institutions. And it, there's this great verse out of First Chronicles 12, when the, all the tribes were coming to David to to make him king, and the the, the sons of Issachar came. First Chronicles 12:32. And they were men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. There were 200 chiefs and then all their kinsmen under their command. They 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 had a knowledge that was, it wasn't just because they were smarter, it was a grace that was upon them. And I, I just wanna pray for, for all of us that we would be bold in our, that our imagination would be wakened but our reason would also be awakened that that we would we would have the mind of Christ we would be able to think when we're hearing a lie what's the source of this lie how can i how can i open my mouth for truth how can i lead this person to a knowledge of the truth so i want you just lift up your hands i know some of you are in such strategic times i, I mean i'm thankful i'm not a elementary school teacher right now being asked to teach things that I, that I know have a false basis Father I just pray or a high school teacher Father we need this grace that was on the sons of Issachar in this time that we would know the times and we would recognize the seasons and we would not just see it but we would have a solution that we would know what to do. And we would know how to move people, how to shift perspectives, how to release strategies. Pray for everyone facing persecution right now, everyone who's concerned about their children or concerned about education or concerned about professional Acceptance and advancement. God, I pray your grace would be upon us, God, that you would open doors that no one sees, that no one could close. We pray hope, hope, hope in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands up. God of hope, would you fill us with all peace and all joy as we believe so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would overflow with hope wherever we go. Oh, in Jesus' name. May, Up, Anne's got a comment here. I'm sure it's very important. No pressure, no. (laughs) That's a joke. (laughs) I don't
1: don't know if this is gonna help, but um, today you got the professor. And he usually translates things to a much more absorbable level for us. Um, But today he didn't. He just talked about how he talks at home. And um, we knew Darwinism was a bad thing, and we knew it was wrong, but we didn't know it was going to lead to now. And today, Charles has spoken the truth. And though we probably didn't fully understand it, because I didn't, I understood part.
0: <laughs> Get the tape. But or the, the recording. The recording. I'm <laughs> not sure that e- even
1: still, Mike probably understood it, yes. Um, Patty's dad probably understood if he was listening. That. <laughs> It did cancel lies in our spirit that have happened without us even knowing it. By speaking the truth, lies were canceled in our spirit today. And I'm super, super appreciative that the, that reason was awakened, because some of you need to go after the reasons. Many of us go after the creative, the imagination, and the conscious angle, but some of you I just was so grateful that he ended. And if that prayer was to you, that you are one who reaches those in need to reason, this has been activated today and it rarely happens. So, sorry, you got the professor I was trying to interpret for them.
0: Your apology, is this the apology tour? (laughs) No, (laughs) thank you, hon.
1: Bless you,
0: amen, amen. So go out and shine. John, did you want to say something? Okay, all right. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you, fill you with confidence when you pray, and may his peace be upon you. Amen.